Welcome to Grace for the Tryhard, a place where we tryhards can be reminded of the grace we've been given and be empowered to walk in it every day. Do you ever feel like no matter how hard you try, you aren't good enough? Have you struggled with shame and want to experience more freedom in your walk with Christ? Do you feel inspired and empowered when you hear other people's stories of transformation and healing? If your answer is yes to any of those questions, I'm right there with you. Being empowered to live and work out of grace is possible, and here we are learning how to do that together. No need to show up polished, poised, or perfect. Come as you are and join us as we experience God's grace together. Hello there. Hope you are doing well today and enjoying your day so far, your day, morning, night, whatever time you're listening to this. I just hope you are doing well. So this past week I was in Arizona uh, for a vacation slash work trip and it was an awesome time. I got to go to the Grand Canyon, which was absolutely beautiful and amazing to get some great views and some great pictures. And we went with some friends, which was really fun. And um, we were at a conference too, and it was focused on the Holy Spirit. So there was a few large group speakers and a few breakout sessions, and then a lot of time to rest. And we were at a resort, so there was like a water park, which was awesome. Um, But honestly, I just left that conference feeling so so empowered, so encouraged, and so excited for the season that I'm going to be starting soon. Right now I am looking for a job and I feel really called to be in a business setting now. I was working in ministry for the past five years and um, it's going to be a, a challenge. It's going to be a transition for sure, but I just felt so excited for what God's going to do and I just felt like he really brought me back to when I first met him and the excitement and the joy that I had. So that was my past week. Um, Today's episode, we are going to be talking with a good friend of mine named Matt Ostermeyer. Some of you may know him, a lot of you may not know him, um, but he is an awesome guy and we worked together um, for the ministry that I was a part of. For a few years, we we're students together. We graduated in the same year, and um, he became honestly like a brother to me. Now he lives in Ohio with his wife and is on a different ministry team there. So in this episode, we get to know Matt a little bit more. He shares his story, which is awesome. And I just want to share, um, go into depth about two things before we jump into the interview. The first thing is I asked Matt a question about being in the world, but not being of the world. And this is a common Christian saying, but I just thought it might not be a saying that you have heard before. So I want to kind of dive into it a little bit more. So basically, Jesus doesn't want his followers to only be be surrounded by other Christians. So he uses the term the world to really mean I guess, just the brokenness of the world and the sin of the world. Um, So he invites us to be engaged with people who don't think the same as us and who aren't Christians. 
and to love them and to be friends with them, but to not lose their faith or lose their foundation of Christ while doing that. <laughs> so it's it's kind of, it's a tricky way to live, to be honest. And I think as a believer, we tend to lean one way or the other. And I think God is always trying to teach us more how to literally just live like Jesus. If you read the Gospels, you will see Jesus doing this perfectly. And a lot of the religious folk of that time didn't like it. <laughs> so it's very complex and honestly makes life a lot more interesting than just Christians staying in their little Christian bubble. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what in the world but not of the world means. The other thing I wanted to dive into real quick is um, this analogy that we talk about in this episode about a tightrope. So I share with Matt this image in my head lately that I've been having of a shepherd in a pasture with a bunch of, a bunch of sheep and how as a tryhard, as a perfectionist, um, I have this image of like me being a sheep and Jesus being the good shepherd. If you want to learn more about that, um, you should read John 10 in the Bible, but I'm the sheep. And I, I thought that following Jesus just meant trying to be perfect. And I still think that sometimes, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is trusting in his perfection over our own and having a relationship with him and being led by him. So as I'm this little sheep in the past, I've been so afraid of taking the wrong step, I guess, that I just don't move. And that's not what Jesus wants from us (laughs) at all. Um, So I share with Matt that God's just been showing me that I can take a step of faith. I can spend time with him and discern what direction he's leading me, but I still might not even know for sure. And I can take a step and trust that he's going to be the good shepherd who who guides me. And if he sees that I'm going way off course, he's going to bring me back in. And that's really, really good news. And Matt kind of starts going into this analogy of a tightrope and how on the other side of things, the gospel is similar to a person walking on a tightrope and basically trying to live a perfect life and be a perfect person, be a good person, quote unquote. And unfortunately, that's impossible (laughs) for us to do because we're human. So without Jesus, we fall off that tightrope. And that's pretty sad and discouraging. But then the gospel says that Jesus walks on this tightrope in our place perfectly for us. And we just have to look to him and trust in him. And then magically (laughs) we we become like on his back or something and he, he brings us to the end, you know? So these analogies aren't like perfect analogies, just so you know, they're just images to think about, to meditate on, to bring to scripture. But I think a lot of people could look at these two things and think they're opposites. Like there's this wide pasture and you can walk on and you're good. Or it's this very tight rope that you have to live your life perfectly. And the whole, um, I guess, connection between those two is grace (laughs) and the fact that we don't measure up 
in our own strength. The whole point of Jesus coming to earth and dying on the cross for us and raising to life again is to take our place. And and all we have to do is look to him (laughs) and receive the gift of grace. It's amazing. And so depending on your perspective, you can look at it in different ways. But I just think it's a great example of why I wanted, why I'm doing this podcast, because I need to hear different perspectives to see the gospel more clearly. God has given us so many people on this earth who see things differently than us, who are made differently than us, who think differently than us. And when we come together and actually have conversations about how they're reading the word and what God is showing them, then we get to see a bigger, fuller, better picture of who God is. It's really good. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to dive right in. Here we go. Well, thanks so much, Matt, for taking the time to talk to me a little bit. about. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really excited. So um, first off, you want to share just a little bit of your story just from day one until now, kind of a summarized version. Yeah, absolutely. Summarized version. So I grew up in a family of four. Um, I love my family. I have a dad, mom, and an older brother, 16 months older, and awesome family. I definitely felt like uh, the black sheep of the family, not in the like, I'm despised by everybody in my family and like ostracized, but like, I just felt like I valued everything that they didn't. Like, I think they always chased after like, um, like financial security or a job achievement, career achievement, those kinds of things. And I just saw life as more of like an adventure and I was more about taking risks and I was more creative minded and those kinds of things. And so, um, I just never really related to my family growing up. Um, and I didn't grow up in like a Christian household. So, um, my dad was raised Catholic, my mom Presbyterian, but they didn't go to church. And so, um, they didn't really raise my brother and I to know Jesus. Um, and so that was kind of like my upbringing. I was surrounded by a lot of people who were Christian and name alone and not in the way they lived their life. And um, that's kind of what I thought Christianity was for a long time. And so um, that was kind of how I portrayed my faith to the world was I'm a Christian, I have grace, and I and that's like, that's it. But it wasn't like Jesus is Lord of my life. He's not changing my life. He's not really, I'm not in relationship with him. I don't actually even really know who he is. Um, and yeah, high school was awesome. Middle school was awesome. I learned a lot through that without Jesus, but um, struggled a lot because of that too. Um, struggled a lot with mental health, struggled a lot with um, sexual addiction, different kinds of addictions. Um And a lot of those things, I don't even know if I had, like, the ability to be introspective about at the time. I was just, like, mad and frustrated. Um, But now looking back, like, the Holy Spirit's given me the understanding to see what my life was before. Um, And so I'm, like, realizing how bad I was without knowing it back then. Um, But, yeah, my life just kind of got darker and darker through high school and... um, I got into a really toxic relationship with a girl who, just like myself, was misguided. We both um, were Christians, but we just weren't really serving the Lord. And um, just a lot of stuff happened in that relationship that really led me to a dark place, some because of her, some because of me, and some because of just 
other factors in life, um, just Satan working in our lives. And um, when I came into college, I was just in a really dark place. I was uh, suicidal. I was harming myself, um, just lost in a sea of anxiety and depression. And then that's when I met Jesus through a ministry at IU called Chi Alpha that you know very well, obviously. Um, and it was just like ordinary students who loved the Lord enough and were compelled by his love to, to actually do something about it. And, um, and I was just captivated by the way they loved God. And, um, I was captivated by everything they were saying. And then I started reading my Bible and was realizing that the Jesus I thought I knew was not the Jesus of the Bible. Um, and I was just fallen in love with this dude. And then, my sophomore year came and I decided I want to make disciples. I want to spend my life telling other people about this really cool God um, who actually has like power to transform the worst situations. And so that's what I did. And I saw so many lives transformed and it became addicting to see it. And uh, when I got to my senior year, I was like, I don't really know what I want to do, but I had a lot of dreams before Jesus. And now they all seem really silly in light of, him and uh, I just felt him calling me to do ministry. He didn't say do Chi Alpha. He didn't say do world missions or plant the church. He just said give your life to ministry. And all I knew at the time was Chi Alpha, and so I understood Chi Alpha. I got the vision of Chi Alpha. I still believe deeply in it, and that's why I'm still doing it. But um, so I graduated, became a Chi Alpha missionary. I've been serving ever since. Uh, served at IU for three years, and now I've been in Ohio, working at Ohio State for two years just telling kids about Jesus and uh yeah that's my that's my story wow that's awesome I honestly like I'm smiling and I can't help but smile to just I know but like even at the beginning it's just like hearing what what he's done it's just amazing it's really amazing and I think it's so important to never forget your story because you can get caught up and have been living for Jesus for years and you forget like how much he's done for you, how much he's saved you from. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I remember I was sharing at a church in Genesis once and this was something I discipled like into some of my students, but it was just something the Lord put on my heart when I was growing with him was I always heard like abide, abide in Jesus. Um, like, you know, root yourself in Jesus, meditate on his word and, um, and I did that always, and I would tell everybody to do that. But I started realizing, like, there's actually a lot of beauty in abiding in, or not abiding in, but just, like, rooting myself in and meditating on what I was before Jesus came into my life. And it kind of shines a light on how really magnificent Jesus is when he actually came into the picture and started changing my life. And um, I feel like, I remember Derek saying that at IU, but he told me one time, like, hey, never forget, like, these things never forget what God has saved you from because it can become old news you know if you don't like remember the darkness remember how deep that separation was and how amazing it was to be released from that you know yeah but it is awesome it really is oh my gosh one thing you said that I think is very interesting is that you struggled with addiction in high school and then when you started telling people about Jesus that became addicting yeah. Isn't that really interesting, like, how he can take that addiction and redeem it into something yeah. really good, really amazing? It's not bad to be obsessed with things. It's just bad to be obsessed with the wrong thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
I wasn't planning to talk about this, but it's on my mind, so yeah. why not? Um, just what you're saying about abiding in or slash, like, just d- not dwelling, but, like, um, meditating, like you're saying, on the past and, like, where you were. I've been pretty angry with the church, <laughs> the capital C church, and just, like, a lot of the things that have been exposed recently about pastors and people in leadership and just horrible things that have been happening and I was just thinking about like this weird turn that has become Christianity of like pretending like you have it all together all the time and then it becoming exposed that you don't (laughs) and it just like really discredits the church and the power of Jesus to like save and heal and transform so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that I'd just love to hear yeah I mean I think that you know a lot of the like I think a lot of the I guess the name that's coming to mind is like Ravi Zacharias's ministry but just like what an awesome man of God what a guy who did incredible things and then like what a sad end to that story you know um And I just think like there's such a common theme with all these people is they've been exalted to these incredible places and probably not really, you know, given such a responsibility without probably being communicated to regularly like, hey, you have people who are here for you. And maybe they don't even have people who are there for them. Maybe they don't have a community to really bear that burden with them. And so they, you know, like the idea of, I I mean, I, I just, I know from being in ministry, there are, there are pressures there's mindsets from the enemy that come in and say like hey you you have a higher standard now and so that weakness that you messed up in or those things that you thought like you can't express those or you can't have those and when you notice them in your life you you feel that temptation of like should I tell anybody about this and um and I think that that's like one just like a byproduct of our celebrity pastors and our exalting pastors to be much more than like what like acts calls peter and john unschooled ordinary men you know just normal people and like when paul's writing to the corinthians the first thing he gets frustrated at them about is like you're you're making everything about oh i follow peter or i follow james or i follow john and it's like these people aren't anything but servants of god and like i don't know i get on social media all the time and i'm just like our our capital C church, our institutionalized church is obsessing about certain individuals and, um, and that can happen and God can use that. But I just think it puts them in a, in a place where they just have so much more weight and burden and responsibility. And if they slip up once, you know, like the trajectory of that, but, um, but I do think there's something being said. A lot of those people are messing up in really significant ways. And there is a responsibility that comes with like, pastoral leadership i just sometimes wonder would those things be happening if we weren't exalting these people to these incredible places or if they weren't exalting themselves to these incredible places and if they actually had people to carry their burdens with them you know i wonder if that would be happening but it doesn't excuse their sin it's just um i don't know sometimes i have compassion for them i guess like i am angry about it and it does like there's nothing more frustrating to me than a christian who like says their one thing and then does something different with their actions but that's all of us at some point or another you know um and we have to have grace for it but yeah it's hard when they're the top dog i guess yeah oh definitely and i really love that point that you brought up of just like what is their support system and 
do they feel like they're in a place to be completely transparent with someone, anyone, you know? So hopefully, hopefully we're learning from this and because this go two ways, you know, like I was going to ask you, because I've always felt like you're really, in my opinion, you're really good at connecting with people who are antagonistic to the church or disinterested in the church or disinterested in Jesus. So like if someone came to you and, or even like a student at OSU and you were like talking to them about God and they're like, you know, I just can't follow a God when all of his, a lot of his people are doing these horrible things, you know, um, what would you say? I, yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about not being defensive, like, because you have to like, remember, like, what am I defending? I'm not defending the name of the church. Like the church is a totally messed up group of people has been always will be. And that's part of the beauty of the gospel. You know, it's like, like, those are my most powerful moments is when I'm like, man, Jesus, like I've tried so hard to obey you and I just keep falling short. And he's like, well, yeah, that's the, that's why I did it. You know, that's why I did it for you. And then I'm just like weeping because I'm like, ah, yeah, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel right there. Um, But there's something to be said about not being defensive because I'm defending the name of Jesus. If they were coming after Jesus, I would be immediately defensive, but they're coming after people. So I think sometimes the church can be really defensive and not listen to those people and hear their experiences and hear their individual stories. Um, Because sometimes probably what they need to hear is, yeah, that sucks that that happened. Or that's like, that's really sad, but that's not at all the heart of Jesus. And I'm sorry that like Jesus has been defined by that experience. Um, I remember I met a woman, I, I walked into a synagogue in Bloomington, Indiana when I was there, just cause I felt like the spirit was like, just walk in there. I met this 55 year old woman and she was like, yeah, I recently converted to Judaism. And I said like, why? And she was like, well, my parents like just kept having such harsh things to say about my LGBTQ friends. And that was, and that was it. That was her reasoning. It was like, it had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with Judaism or Christianity. And like, it was actually really illogical what she was saying, but she was like, you know, like there's, there's a lack of love here. And that was enough to, to sway her, but to be able to be there and be like, yeah, like, Jesus isn't defined by those people's actions. In fact, like that's oftentimes the point. Um, But, you know, it's different because it's like someone confidently proclaiming, I am doing this in the will of God. I'm saying these things in the will of God. And Jesus is just like, no, you know, I'm like, this is not how I would treat this. This is not what I would say. Um, That's awesome. I, I agree with you. And I really appreciate your perspective. That's good. Um, so one thing I wanted to say is, um, you've always inspired me with your deep love for people who don't know Jesus and haven't experienced his transforming love. That's something when I think of you, that pops into my head. Um, so I just want to affirm you there and yeah, of course. And one thing, um, I was talking to a friend about the other day was um, about being in the world, but not being of the world. Um, and like I said earlier, I feel like you just, <laughs> I don't know if it's just a personality thing or maybe it's hard for you and I just didn't know, but you just being able to have these conversations. And I think a lot of it has to do with your mindset of like, I don't have to defend the church. I don't have to defend these these people, this institution. Um, and obviously I don't even need to defend Jesus because he, 
kind of defends himself <laughs> in his word, in his action, in his life. But um, with just how different this world is compared to how it was 10, 20 years ago, I guess, how do you go about being in the world but not being of the world? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that my mind just goes to, like, just really being rooted. Like, man, I would love, and I say this saying it knowing that I can and sometimes do have this experience here, but just, like, I envy the disciples to just be able to, like, just travel with Jesus, set up camp with Jesus, like, sit with Jesus, and just, like, constantly be surrounded by this guy who's perfect, like, the perfect representation of what it looks like for heaven to come to earth, you know? Um, And it's not, you know, he's not preaching to us from heaven. It's like he came down, he came in the flesh and he's like walking about and he's this perfect representation. And just to be able to be in his presence constantly is really awesome. And just realizing that like, you know, like I think a lot of times when we think about, oh, what would it be like to like walk with Jesus? Like we don't always think that, like that is what's happening you know like his spirit lives inside of us and we are constantly walking with his spirit and i do think there's just like human human limitations that make it a little different for us because we got to walk by faith for that to happen it's not like there's this physical jesus with us at all times like we have to have the eyes to see like what jesus is doing what the spirit's doing what like god's will is in given situations but i think like the key to that is just having relationship with the Holy Spirit and seeing him in everything you do and abiding in deep relationship with him so that when you do walk out the front door and and I fail at this all the time there's so many times where I'm just like man I I did not root myself in you today Lord um and I can just tell it by the way my attitude is but um but yeah I think there's something like really nice about like interacting with people of the world is like you know, when I'm just going about my day almost, it can, like, I feel like I can be a worse representation of Jesus than when I'm, like, engaging in those conversations because it's, like, it's, like, a trigger that's, like, actively drawing your mind to, like, oh, okay, it is time to represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, like, in this moment when it comes to people. But I struggle more when it's just, like, day-to-day life and not getting angry irrationally at, like, stupid things that aren't happening. Like, I always told Alicia, like, Alicia always called me a patient person, um, but I, I've i been realizing I'm really patient when it comes to people, but I'm horribly patient when it comes to, like, things not doing what they're supposed to. Um, but just, like, it's the stupidest things that, like, bring the fleshly, worldly things out of me. But I, I really love those moments where I get to engage with people of the world because I feel like it is sometimes the easiest time to represent Jesus because it's such a like obvious like okay this is this is the moment to do what Jesus has asked us to do. Um I think the harder part is getting to the point where you're having those conversations, you know. Um but but yeah, I think just rooting yourself with the spirit and and having the eyes to see like what he's doing at all times. That's really good. That's awesome. And even as you're saying that, like, we mess up at this every day, I don't think anyone does this perfectly right. Um, And that's not the point. I think my personality can sometimes be like, there's this tightrope of, like, 
the perfect way to be in the world but not be of the world and I just don't think that's how Jesus looks at it you know um I was talking to a friend the other day and I had this like image in my head of a shepherd and I was a sheep and Jesus was the shepherd and throughout life sometimes I've been so afraid of messing up that I haven't moved and I imagine this little sheep just like staying just in one spot and the shepherd is like okay we got to move forward you know we got we got to take a step you know and for some reason now I'm in this place where I'm like trusting that the shepherd's going to guide me and correct me if I start to get way off the path you know but also the pasture is pretty big you know he's not like okay you have to walk on this balance beam he's like okay walk you know and you know I'm just like kind of bopping around um and it's scary for me as a perfectionist sometimes, <laughs> but it's been really freeing too. And I think that's really helpful with what you're saying about just like getting to know the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in us and around us and he's not a physical human being. So of course we're not going to hear him correctly hundred percent of the time, you know, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try and abide in him you know yeah i like i like the tightrope analogy um i just think like like i've heard kind of analogies like that before where you you know you feel like you're carrying this burden you can't do it and then you fail or like this tightrope you're like walking across and it's like inevitably at some point on this tightrope i'm going to fall off um and i feel like that's like you know when we look at it from a like i'm supposed to get from here to that side on this tightrope then that's where we fall short but the whole tightrope analogy it's like that is kind of the gospel of like like god being like hey walk on this tightrope and we start to and then we fall but then jesus comes and walks on the tightrope in our place or something i don't know it's like a weird analogy but it's like I think the point is that we would fall, we would look up and we would like see Jesus walking on the tightrope and we would be like, I need to follow that guy because he's the only one who can actually make it across, you know? And um, I think that's when we begin, because I think like, that's like the beauty of grace, like grace is so beautiful because it is like, I, it's not that the tightrope becomes wider and easier to walk on. It's that the tightrope is impossible to walk on, but for some reason, you're letting me get to the other side, even though I like barely made it a third of the way down and then fell. And you're just like, ah, just come down because I trust in this dude who could walk across the tire. You know, it's like, it's kind of weird, but it's, I just love the, the beauty of grace in that. Um, yeah. It's just like being okay that we are going to fall, you know, that's hard. Oh, that's the first that's, the, I think, the hardest part of the battle. The hardest part of becoming a Christian is accepting you need help, accepting you can't do it on your own. Um, sure. So it's good. Um, one thing I've thought about, I mean, we kind of got saved slash were transformed around the same time. And it's been a few years since that season, unfortunately. Time has really gone, even though you look exactly the same as when you were 18. <laughs> I wear the same thing I wear in sophomore year. Oh my gosh. Wow. So one thing I've been thinking about, like just in the past few years, I've gone through a harder season too of just like, just digging into my soul, digging into some past trauma, hurt that I've kind of let 
be there. Um, and I've gotten a lot of healing from that, which is awesome. But I feel like I've also kind of lost sight of, of grace, of my first love, you know, it says that in the Bible. Um, I don't know where it's at, but I think it's in Revelation where he's like, you've forgotten your first love. So I just want to know if you've ever felt that, if you felt that recently, just because it's been a while since like the beginning moments where you're like, this is amazing. This is the best news on the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I want to say all the time because it's like, <laughs> and that's what's, that's what's sad about it is like in my head, I'm like, I know Jesus is good and my heart connects with him often, but there are just like, there's just moments where I connect with him in such a different way that I'm like, man, I am commonly not walking in the full understanding of like everything that this Jesus has done for me, you know? Um, and it is, it, you know, it's, it's sad, but I just like, at the same time, it's like, man, it's, it's just hard to grasp how amazing he is. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it sometimes, um, I think it sometimes becomes old news in my head. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly what really causes that, but, um, I like, I wish it weren't that way, but I think that's why like coming back and just being rooted in him and, and spending that time with him is, is so substantial and so, so meaningful to just recognize like how really incredible he is. And that's why I appreciate conversations like this too, because it's like, just the time to sit and stop and, and reflect on just how awesome he is and kind of gets back to what we were talking about at the beginning too, of just remembering what he saved you from. And um, it's just a lot of things that really illuminate his goodness and his perfection that we don't really take a lot of time to always just sit and reflect on. But I think recently, like, what's been hard is like, you know, like I love the, like the reason I love the name of your podcast is because like grace for the try hard is definitely my story. Like I like, and, and I, I love the try hards. Like I, I remember like people, people in gym class always being like, Oh, that kid's a try hard. Like I was hundred percent a try hard. Like I'm not going to, because I'm not going to go to gym class. Like I, I did the same thing the other way around. Like I made fun of the kids who were like making fun of try hards. Cause for me, it was like, you're going to gym class you got this competition and you're telling me you're going to give 40% because you're just not feeling it, you know, like I have, and, and that's like how I feel with like the gospel is it's like, Jesus is like, Hey, make disciples. And it's like, I'm not going to not try hard. Like I'm going to like literally carry my cross. I'm going to give everything I can to fulfill that. And I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to try really hard. And I think that's like, like I meet these people every now and then who I would consider tryhards in the Christian faith who just like overthink everything and they try way too hard. And it's like, it's, and I'm one of them and it's annoying because it's like, there's so much I don't understand and that they don't understand that we're coming to understand as we walk with Jesus. But at the same time, those are some of my favorite people because I'm like, you get, you get the idea that Jesus is so good that you're willing to give him everything. Um, but the issue is that like, sometimes our mind slips so easily into like, everything I do is about pleasing God where like, you know, I'm reminded of the prodigal son. That's how I've been praying a lot is remembering just that scene where the prodigal son comes home and is embraced by the father. And when I'm praying, like, I'm just imagining like God embracing me in that way as I'm praying to him and realizing it's not about 
what I've done that causes him to be pleased with me. It's about what Jesus has done on my behalf. But that message is also not going to stop me from trying hard because it's his love that compels me. And and that's the tightrope I walk, you know? It's like I lean this way and I'm like, oh, I got to, it's works-based. And I start slipping this way and or I lean this way and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to rest in the Father's arms forever and never step foot outside the door again like because this is much easier. And then God's like, okay, like I've comforted you. Now get back on the tightrope and just like remember the things I've taught you, like, remember what this is about. Um, and, and that's why I love those people. Like, um, I can think of a lot of people from in my life that fall into that category. And I've affirmed them in that of just like, you have done so much for the kingdom of God and it is beautiful and it's worth being honored for. But at the same time, it's like, you gotta, you gotta learn where your identity comes from and where you're your peace comes from, you know, it's not your works. It's not your ability to, at the end of the day, look at yourself and be like, I please God today because it's, it's just like the sin that will never satisfy the addiction. It's like, you can't be, you can't look in the mirror and look at a perfect God and be like, I, I, I had two meetings with people today and I spoke the gospel once and I, I met the standard of Jesus. It's like, you would always fall short. And it's just like, it's like the, the water from the fountain that just won't quench your thirst, you know? Um, but yeah. Wow. I am just so, I don't know. I feel like my spirit is like alive. (laughs) Something in me is like, yes, that's the truth. Amen. Preach it. Oh, it's so so good. It's hard to walk, right? It's hard. And I just want to thank you for, helping me to see that perspective because I struggle with being hard on myself. And that's been another part of the healing process of the past few years is like learning to see myself as God sees me, you know, and learning that he's not this critical father. He's, he's the one who's like pumping me up more than I even realize, you know, and he's so like proud of us and it's not even connected to what we do. It's just who we are. Um, but I've never really thought about how you only become a tryhard if you think something's worth something, you know? So there is good in that, you know? It's just how you steward that. And like you said, how are you, where's your identity through all that? So for all you tryhards listening, don't hate yourself for being a tryhard. <laughs> God made you like with, with passion and with drive and with a desire and just, it's okay, you know? Wow. Well, yeah, I don't want to take up too much more of your day, um, but I do want to um, talk a little bit about what you talked about or what you texted me about, because I care. I'm always interested in hearing what people are fired up about. And according to your text, it's about house churches. So tell me where that's like started and what you're interested in now with that. So it's pretty like unformulated in my head, but I've just like, um, I've always had a passion. I grew up in a a city with a church on every single street, um, essentially. And I grew up in a city where 10% of the population went to two mega churches on every given Sunday, but I never saw gospel proclamation outside the church walls my whole childhood. Um, even my adulthood, I never saw it in my city. And, um, And I just became really passionate through my time, you know, meeting in college ministry. I met these kids who grew up in the church and came in and 
they didn't know Jesus. And I was like, you spent 18 years in church and you don't know Jesus. And that's not to like rag on the church or anything like that. But um, just I've had a lot of experiences that have just caused me to be like, are we doing church the right way? Like, are we really living life in the way that the church was commanded to in terms of like the institutional church? And um, I hate the like idea of institutionalized church to begin with. I don't really know if that was ever really biblical, but, um, but yeah, I, so I've just had this like passion to see the church change, um, ever since I've been walking with Jesus. And it's why I have a passion for doing ministry in the United States rather than going abroad, because I go to Europe and I see a post-Christian society, you know, a secular society with massive buildings that, you know, people are like, oh, they have these massive buildings. They're really beautiful and they're abandoned. And I'm like, well, America has these massive buildings and many of them are really beautiful and they're like slowly becoming abandoned. Um, and I am just like, I don't want, like, I don't want to see the bride of Christ in my country fall apart the way it fell apart kind of in Europe. Um, and I've always loved Francis Chan. Like he's been one of like my main, like, I guess, discipleship leaders since I was like a baby Christian. Um, I think a lot of the things that he's learned from the Lord are really wise. Um, and I think he, I think he critiques the church with a spirit of humility and grace, which is why I trust his word a lot, um, because he was a mega church pastor. Um, but he wrote a book called Letters to the Church that I just finished reading, and he like actually practically lays out how he's doing house church now and how he's like working to start a house church network. And um, there's just a lot of like, you know, a lot of things that I feel like are so beneficial about doing church in that way that make life simpler for ministers that prevent kind of the stuff we're talking about with like these spotlight pastors, like that's all prevented yeah. by something like that. Um, it multiplies yeah. the church faster in my mind. It um, yeah. it heightens discipleship because it's a smaller focus. Um, no, no money has to go towards buildings and lights like you know, like yeah. 50 plus percent, probably like 80 plus percent of church budgets are going towards like, and all of it can go straight to missions. And I just think like, just as I was like hearing him lay this stuff out, I was like, I, I want to learn about this. And so he, he does like a church intensive program that I'm like, I would love to actually fly out and like learn from them. Um, so I'm looking into doing that, but I'm also looking just like within the assemblies of God here in Ohio, like I think they have some like dinner church things and whatnot, but I want to reach out to like our church multiplication network specialist and like just talk to him about like what is happening in Ohio as far as like house church and stuff. Cause I just want to learn. Um, and I don't know if that's something that I would ever do, but um, I'm like, it's undeniable that I've always been just like incredibly passionate about it. Um, and I have a lot of, I have a lot of friends who, I respect and who really know the Lord who have just had different experiences, even this summer, just having conversations with people who are just like, there's just no discipleship happening in my church. And, you know, like they're, you know, they're given to some good stuff and their worship is good and their messages are, they got good speakers and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't, I'm not against any of that stuff, but just like the amount of times I'm hearing people be like, I want to see the church I see in the scriptures and not experiencing it today is something I'm really passionate about. So I've like, basically with my devotional time, I've just come to a place where I'm like, I 
I'm just doing like a deep dive study of ecclesiology and I just wanted to formulate or like the study of the church. But like, I'm just going through the whole scripture and every passage I read, I'm, I'm writing down like comprehensively, just like, what does God love and what does God hate? And then what does God command of the church? And I want to do that with like the entirety of scripture. And I just want to come to like, this is what the church of God is supposed to look like. And I've only been doing it for like a week. And I'm like, this is just very different than my church experience, you know? Um, So I'm really excited about that. Um, Don't really know what it will lead to. Maybe it'll just lead to like growth for my own understanding and ministry. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been like most passionate about is just seeing that change, you know? That's awesome. And I know exactly well, what I think it could be used for. You can come back on the podcast and tell us everything that you learned. Um, <laughs> because I would love to hear about it, and I bet other people would love to hear about it. Um, or you could write a book, or both. Because I think that would be a really good book. Um, and, yeah. But that's really cool, Matt. And, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, just logistically, it would help so much. And I think a lot of people are just, like, starting to become tired of being, like, consumers. Especially, like, our generation and, and Gen Z, like, I think, want something real. And even if it's a little messy or even if it as, isn't as polished as, you know, the perfect worship leader or whatever, um, if it's real, then it's better, you know. Um, so, and yeah, it can totally empower people, too, to just be, like, I don't have to be like someone who went to Bible school to share what God is showing me, you know? I've never seen, I've, I, am not dogging on seminaries, but I've never seen seminary in the Bible, you know, like I've never seen, yeah, I, I love the scripture. It's like, they looked at Peter and John and they said they're unschooled ordinary men. Like it specifically says they're unschooled, but they said they took note they've been with Jesus. And it's like the only thing that set them apart as these people, profound people in their eyes was the fact that they had been with Jesus and they were like essentially wielding like this the spirit's power they were like in relation with him and I think that's really all that matters but I don't know we make it about a lot of different things and yeah but yeah church consumerism I'm just like I just want to cut it to the ground it sucks I hate it but yeah well my last question is Well, I don't know if I should do both. I'll just do both, and then we'll see if I put them both in. What do you feel like is your fit into the kingdom of God? One thing I, like, also had, like, an image of recently is, like, a puzzle and how we all are a piece in the kingdom. Um, Also similar, we just talked, I talked, or I heard about this at church on Sunday about the body of Christ. And, like, we need every single part of our body to function, like, well. So, like, what do you feel like is your role? That's a... That's a hard question to answer, and um, I feel like maybe a lot of people would avoid answering it just because it can feel prideful to be like, ah, this is my thing. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know if, like, I've always been called an evangelist, which has always been really funny to me, and people say that because I go and I talk to a lot of people who are, like, lost, and, like, I, that's what I want to do with my free time, but, like, I actually don't like doing that. I, it actually makes me really sad to have, 
like it, it makes me sad to spend my time persuading people to follow a God who's so incredible and so amazing. And I, I do it because I understand like, you know, there's darkness in the world. I was once cut off from the light. If, if people didn't come to me, I would never have found Jesus. And so like, it's not like uh how could you not see this God kind of thing. It just, it's like, it's like, man, how does not everybody get this? And like, it's just not, it's not like I'm passionate about it. It's like, do it because the love of God compels me. But I think when I think about like, the way God's uniquely gifted me, like, um, I don't know. I had one of one of the guys I discipled once said, like, you're really good at relating with a lot of different types of people. Um, and I think that God's given me some gifting. I don't think I'm perfect at it, but I think he's given me some giftings that like understanding people and where they come from and their stories. Um, but at the same time, I think he's given me like, a heart to really challenge like um like when i see something in someone's life i want to i want to call it out and um i i just preached uh at a church on sunday and my whole message was just like hey like here's my experience with the church i've had uh, and i won't get into it but basically like i've just seen that the church the majority of the church is not actually being active in the call to go and make disciples um and so I just challenged the church and um when I, before I went in Alicia said uh my wife for those who don't know um but she said um don't be mean cuz <laughs> cuz she, she knows I love to challenge but um afterwards I was like was I mean and she was like no I don't think you were mean but she was like like I think if anybody was mad at you it would just be really hard to hate you because she was like, you balance it out with like, okay, now you're crying and now you're like sharing this backstory of like your family that wasn't pursued in all of these different ways by people who said they were going to pursue them to your face and just like a lot of things. And so I think God's given me ability to like kind of be gentle, but also challenging and um, just coming alongside people in that way. But um, I have a very apostolic heart. I, I want to see the gospel go to literally every corner ever. I can't stop my mind from thinking. Like, I moved to Columbus, Ohio to focus on the campus, and I started realizing, oh, there's Indian neighborhoods everywhere. There's Muslim neighborhoods everywhere. Like, my mind just never shuts off, and I think God wants to use that, and I don't know how he'll use all of that in my life. But, uh, but yeah, I think those are some of just my giftings and the way God might use me in his kingdom. I totally see that, and I think that's a really awesome combination of having that you being mean or calling out things or speaking the truth in love like it's literally I don't know for me I see just pure love in you like and you know how to communicate that too you know because it's one thing to say oh I'm saying this because I love you but you don't do anything to like show the person that you love them (laughs) Um, and I think what you're saying about knowing people's stories and like just genuinely caring for them um, communicates a lot. So that's awesome. And I'm excited to see what God does with your life. Um, Me too. Me too. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. Well, one last thing I want to, I don't know why I really like this question, but what is something that you, or like what, what's, I guess the biggest thing that you would want to tell yourself like when you're like a freshman in college um let's say 
So like, what is something you would want to tell younger Matt? I think, um, I don't know. I think I would just tell him like, I know that your situation has been really hard for a lot of reasons because I lived it. Um, but all those things that you think will bring you life, they won't. And all you need is Jesus. And I know that that sounds weird and vague because Jesus is just this random dude to you associated with this religion that you're not really that connected to, but he will give you everything that you're longing for and so much more. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would say. Wow, that was beautiful. It's like you knew what you were going to say to your old self before this, before you even asked, but I know it's, it's awesome. It's, it's beautiful. I've been doing that in counseling a little bit. My counselor will like, imagine 10 year old Lindsay and you're talking to her and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is like really healing. Um, I don't know what I'd say to 10 year old Matt, like maybe be yourself and stop copying the people you think are cool. <laughs> stop trying to be Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you well, have a, kind of a fun chapter of life? <laughs> Did you try to be like him at one one point? Uh I don't know if I tried to be like him. I just was like heavily influ like my like in my mind I wasn't like oh, I got to be Justin Bieber, but it was like he dresses pretty cool and his music's pretty cool and I guess I'm going to try to dress like that now. But yeah, it wasn't like I got to be him. Because in my head, I was like, I'm going to be my own different version of him. But really what I wanted was, I just wanted attention from people. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. We're all, we're all searching for something. Um, and it comes out in different ways. But thank you so much again for this time. I was really encouraged. And I hope you were encouraged, like you said, just reflecting on your life and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to the Grace for the Try Hard podcast. I hope you feel encouraged, empowered, challenged, and that you know that you are so loved by God. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening, as well as rate and leave a review. Thanks so much, and you'll hear from us soon.